welcome to the Bit for Playmakers podcast. I'm your host, Kelvin Hunt, editor of ChopChat.com. I'd like to say Happy New Year to everyone. Um, hopefully everybody's doing well. Um, shout out to our first-time listeners. Um, shout out to those of you that have been with me from the jump. Um, really appreciate you guys supporting the podcast. We've seen seen a lot of growth um, in our listeners over the past you know month or so. And um, I want to give a shout out to everybody that either liked or retweeted or commented um, on our um, Twitter um, account whenever we post there. Um, so I, what I did was I went and I wrote down everybody's screen name and I um, want to give you guys a shout out. So I'm going to start with my guy one day at a time. Then we have Falco Noel, Panthers fan 1557, only one guy 28. S. Sports One, Knowles and Fans, T. Walt Bell, Eduardo Priv One, Chris Ninety Six Ten Four Fifty One, Woody Cumby, Ashlyn Page, Wendy Clark, You Knows It, Daniel Roy, T. Crawford Todd, Rotterdam Noel, Since Nineteen Eighty Three, Boston Noel Girl, Lord Aaron Six, Orange County Seminole, Be the Best, Vanessa Noel. 1515, Eric Weinberger, C.A. Cabrera, John Crabtree, David Moore, Coach Oaks, Seminole Maddie. If I somehow missed you guys and you, you know, shouted out the podcast somewhere online um, and I missed it, um, you know, it was not intentional. I really appreciate you guys and um, continue to do that. Help us grow the um the podcast and um before i go any further let me go ahead and mention a sponsor here betonline.ag make sure you head over to the updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit just use the promo code believe 50 to receive your bonus that's b-l-e-a-v 50 to receive your bonus i also had um someone to reach out to me um, and asked if they could contribute to the podcast in another way. And um, so I do have a cash app account for the podcast. And that is uh, dollar sign built for playmakers. That's built the number four playmakers. So if you you know want to contribute a dollar, two dollars, whatever you feel um, is necessary, um, I certainly would appreciate it. I am looking to um, eventually, you know, hopefully stream live and hopefully we can actually have a conversation and answer questions in, in real time. And um, I think that would be uh, way more engaging and uh, a lot of fun. So uh, looking forward to um, to doing that. So I uh, appreciate it if you feel so inclined to do that. But uh, this episode is actually um, kind of inspired by um, Dadgum Knowles Football Twitter account. Um, they posted a, a, f- a few days ago and they asked a question. They said, do you feel our coaching staff is on life support already? Most pods seem pretty positive that it's inevitable. It's not going to work out. This is obviously a make or break year for the staff. And, um, and I got to thinking about, you know, that question and, you know, and I was, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts and, you know, some podcasts are more pessimistic than others. Um, and I, that's why I, I, I encourage people to listen to multiple podcasts and, you know, go to different websites. And so you get different views. It's kind of like, you know, you don't want to listen to just one news source if you're watching the news because 
you know, everybody has their own slants and biases or whatever. Um, but the more you listen, you know, the more you can, the more informed you can be. And, you know, I mean, year three in any, you know, coaching tenure is, is, is going to be pivotal, especially depending on how the first two went. And there's no question that Mike, you know, I've said it before on this podcast that, you know, Mike Novell, you know, he has to win in, you know, 2022. And, um, you know, he's got to, got to win, got to make a bowl game, you know, but I also don't want to lose context into how, you know, the things he has dealt with in the first two years are unlike, you know, anything anyone else has, has really, has really had to deal with. And um, I think some people from, from, you know, the FSU crowd tend to still kind of look at FSU from a lens of, you know, what FSU was um, as far as say, like when Jimbo Fisher was head coach and how he turned things around and, you know, and all, and, and all that good stuff. And they didn't want to try to compare, you know, how Jimbo did it to, to what's happening with Norville right now. And, you know, it's just, it's just not even really something you can compare, you know, because, you know, Jimbo was already here as the OC for a couple of years. And so, you know, that is, man, that is an advantage that you can't even describe, you know, how impactful that is that, you know, Jimbo could be here and kind of, you know, just be that fly on the wall and understand, you know, what needs to change, you know, weaknesses, strengths, so forth and so on. It also didn't hurt that, you know, Jimbo inherited, he already had, you know, a quarterback, you know, Christian Ponder who knew the offense whenever he became head coach. And um, if you remember, the offense wasn't really the problem. Um, in, um, you know, Bobby Bowden's final year in 2009, it was the defense that was, you know, at the time, like the worst defense we had seen at FSU. And you'll notice that, one of the first things that Jimbo did was he went to address those defensive issues in his in his first recruiting class, you know, signing, you know, uh, Joyner and uh, Luck. And um, over half of the signing class in 2010 was on the defensive side of the ball, you know. And um, and what you've seen with um, Novell, you know, Novell didn't have the luxury of inheriting a quarterback that already knew his offense, that could, you know, could, you know, for no disrespect, but actually play, um, you know, so he, he was dealing with that. He's also dealing with, you know, a lack of depth at almost every position imaginable. The offensive line is a wreck, right? So what you've noticed is Novell and company have looked to address, you know, those issues. So the issues for FSU or, or multifaceted, but they've deemed, you know, the offensive line as being, hey, we got to get this fixed before we can really do anything else along with um, defensive end. So that's why you saw them attack the transfer portal, how they did last year with Jermaine Johnson and Keir Thomas to kind of try to shear up, you know, that defensive line, the pass rush. And then, you know, obviously, you know, they, they brought in Dylan Gibbons from the transfer portal. And, um, and you've seen that they've really went, you know, in on the offensive line, <clears throat> excuse me, um, with all of the, the signees out of high school. And um, so you see that they're kind of taking a similar approach that Jimbo Fisher took. You know, he Jimbo noticed, hey, we got to fix the defense. And you're noticing that um, Mike Novell and the staff were like, okay, we got to fix the offensive line. 
And we believe that we have a quarterback in Jordan Travis that, you know, we, we're developing. We can see some development, um, you know, but then there's other things that it got to fix too. You know, linebacker, although we're, we're seeing some development at linebacker. Um, then, of course, we have the wide receiver issue, right? Um, wide res- you know, Willie Tiger didn't sign any any you know, skilled players in the 2019 recruiting class, you know, you know, that is coming back to bite. And so it didn't do Mike Novell and company any favors that they didn't sign any wide receivers in the, you know, during the early signing period. But what you're seeing is Mike Novell and company going into the transfer portal and getting players that they believe can be impactful players um, for 2022. You know, so I want to talk about a little bit. I wrote I wrote about the impact of these three three transfer wide receivers. Um, it's on Chop Chat. You can go read it if you haven't already. And um, you know, I'm seeing a lot of people talking about, oh, well, you know, these guys they don't have a lot of production. You know, blah 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 blah. And you know, and it's like like I said, it's like people are it's like people are looking at FSU like FSU is. 2012 and 13, you know, guys with a whole, uh, a lot of production, they're not going to come to a school like FSU right now. They're just not. Until FSU can kind of win eight or nine games and kind of get that thing going, you know, so people can look at it and say, oh, yeah, yeah, they they are really going in the right direction. You know, we're seeing, we've seen small incremental steps that FSU is going in the right direction. Um. You know, in in the wins and loss record, I've seen a whole lot of progress, you know, as far as what I'm seeing on the field. But as far as wins and losses, three wins to five wins. Okay, so you so you got to take that natural step to seven and eight wins, you know, in um, in 2022. Excuse me. So, you know, you're not going to get those guys that are highly productive. Really, you're going to have to take a chance on guys that you feel are talented. Um that, you know, the the elite schools are going to say, mm, yeah, we don't, you know, he can't come in and play for us right now, so we'll let him go somewhere else. I mean, that's basically basically what you're looking at, okay? So you got, you know, and I talked about, let me see if I'll find it here so I'm not missing anything on the, on the website. But, you know, you got Micah Pittman, you got Johnny Wilson, and then the latest edition in Deuce Span, right? And so... And like I said, one of the common one of the common things people are talking about is, you know, these guys don't have a whole lot of production, you know, blah, 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 blah. And what people what people are, are failing to realize is if FSU has signed Kevin Coleman and Devon Mortimer straight out of high school, they didn't have they wouldn't bring any production either, nor would they bring college experience. Right. So the fact that these guys already have college experience, the fact that they're already physically ready to play, um, th- you know, the fact that they're going to be able to enroll in the spring, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure all three are going to be enrolling in the spring. Um, you know, that's huge because that gives them a chance to enroll, you know, the chances that the coaches can, you know, see them face to face, you know, see what their strengths and weaknesses are. You know, they have time to to figure out what motivates them, how to coach them. Do I need to pat him on the back? Can I scream at him? You know, all those things, all those coaching dynamics 
you know, and those guys are going to be getting valuable reps in the offense um, this entire spring. You know, they're going to bring depth. They're going to, you know, push the guys that are already there to either decide, hey, if I want to, if I want to have a spot on this team, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to, you know, show up. If not, I'm gonna have to hit the transfer portal. You know, I mean, that's that's the fact of the matter. And then, um, not only that, you know, those guys are gonna have a chance to, you know, kind of come in, you know, um, build some rapport with their teammates, um, you know, learn the culture of the team, add to it, and um, you know, all of those aspects should should help these guys become, you know, I won't say impact players in the fall because, you know, that, that can be taken a lot of different ways, but they should be contributors uh, in the fall, especially especially uh, Wilson and Pittman. Um, Span is, you know, he's still new to the position, and so, you know, he's probably have a, a little more of a learning curve, and some people will question, well, why would you take somebody like Span? Well, really, it's no different than taking a high school player, in my opinion, because, you know, those guys haven't experienced any college whatsoever the speed of the game is different the physicality is different at least span has already played in actual games and so he kind of has a taste of that so with span it's all about hey this is what you're good at this is how we're going to use you and we're going to try to put you into positions as as an offense that's built for playmakers so that you can make a play right so if you're saying oh well the only thing he can do right now is run go routes or go vertical well guess what if you do that a couple of times and he has some success, then guys got to respect it when he's out there. Okay. So if that's all he can do, that still opens up things underneath for guys like Pittman or whoever, uh, running game, so forth and so on. So there's a lot of different ways these guys can be used, you know, so it's all about the coaches, you know, finding, finding the right positions to put them in. Um, and not only that, you know, when, whenever you're looking at transfer players, these guys are coming in with a different mindset than your freshman um, and the coaches kind of look at them differently too. You know, if I were a coach and I had a freshman coming in, you know, you know, unless they were, you know, obviously, you know, if they were Travis Hunter, you're like, okay, well, you know, they're going to come in and play right away. But and those players are few and far between, you know, so when you kind of look at those guys, you know, whether they're a four star, three star, whatever, you kind of say, okay, you can probably eventually, you know, become a contributor as a freshman. You know, when you look at somebody like say, Amarion Cooper last year. Amarion didn't enroll early, and um, you know he dealt with an injury. And you know the first few games of the year, we didn't even see him. We didn't, you know, you know where is he? And then you know as he develops, you know, in practice and you know gains more confidence, then you see he he kind of eventually starts creeping into you know the, the the rotation. And then you know towards the end of the year, you know he's he's one of the guys. Right. As a transfer player coming in, you know, that dynamic is totally different because you're coming in, you know, you're coming in to make a difference. Right. A coach is they're recruiting like, hey, look, we have a we have a, a, a need at this position. We believe you can feel that need. We need you to come in and play right away. We need you to be a contributor. And so your mindset is already different, you know, from that aspect. And so you coming in. And then you got the the guys that are already there. They're coming in like, oh, well, this guy's coming in, you know. They're bringing him in for a reason, and so you got you have different expectations placed upon you, 
right? And so as a as a transfer player, you know, if I were a transfer player coming in, I would be like, well, look, you know, I got I to gotta prove myself, you know, otherwise, you know, people are going to look at me as a joke. Um, you know, I can't be the guy that they brought in to, to, to fill a need. And then I'm, I don't feel that need. And then I'm just sitting over here riding the bench. Right. So that's a different type of motivation. Not only that, you got a guy like Pittman, whose brother's already in, in the NFL and Pittman's already made it. You know, he's already said it publicly that, you know, that's one of his goals to get to the NFL. I'm sure Wilson has dreams of playing in the NFL at, you know, six, seven, 230 pounds, whether it's at wide receiver or tight end or whatever. And Span has the ability at 6'4", 200 pounds, running a 4'3", 4'4", you know, to, to play in the NFL, you know, as long as he you know, hones in on his skills and, and things of that nature. And, um, you know, so those three additions are huge, and that changes the wide receiver room big time. And, um, you know, I'm excited to see um, what, you know, what those guys are going to do. And, you know, when you look at when you look at how, you know, FSU is kind of handling this thing, you know, they, they feel like they got a quarterback in Travis. You know, they got Duffy in the wings. Uh, hopefully they'll get a transfer quarterback. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Duffy Duffy is looking like, you know, he's going to be really good, you know, after a year or so. You know, I wouldn't want to rush him into the game, you know, right off hand. Uh, hopefully he can get a year to kind of develop. Maybe get into two or three games, two or three blowouts, maybe, and get some college experience, a red shirt, and then play in 2023. But <clears throat> FSU still needs to address, you know, linebacker. You know, they still need to address defensive end. And those are the two biggest holes. And then we'll see what happens as far as um, whether Fabian Lovett comes back, you know, Jamie Robinson comes back, you know, and all that good stuff. But they're going to be in a position to – you know, they're going to be in a position to, to, to win more games next year. You know, it just depends on, you know, how guys progress, who stays, who goes, that sort of thing. And so we'll know more, um, as, as they bring in more guys from the transfer portal. I know, I know they got a, the, the linebacker from UCF, I think it is, uh, Tatum, that, um, everyone thinks that, that, you know, has a chance to come to FSU. And God, the guy had over 100 tackles this year uh, for for UCF, and that's more that's more than any linebacker had for FSU. So you know that would be a welcome addition. You know, versus still out there for defensive end, and so we, we see basically what I'm saying is Mike Norvell knows the holes on the on the team, but you know it's just finding the guys that are realistic that that they can get that can also be contributors. You know, they're not going to hit on a hundred percent of the guys, you know, that's, that's impossible. I mean, I, I, I wrote about how Jimbo Fisher had um, 53% of the guys, the blue chip guys at that, that signed from 2015 to 2017, never, never became contributors. 53% of the blue chip players from 2015 to 2017 never became contributors, right? So you're not going to hit on a hundred percent of the transfers you bring in or players from high school that you bring in for that matter, you know, but if you hit on more than you miss, then obviously you, you're going to be in pretty good shape. So, so far, so far, I feel like they've, they've hit on more than they've missed from the transfer portal. Um, they've shown that they have a good eye for talent and how to evaluate and, um, and feel needs. And so I feel like they'll fin- finish strong, um, you know, at uh, at linebacker and um, and hopefully at defensive end, I expect more players to enter the portal um, after 
you know, spring practices conclude um, kind of like the way Dylan Gibbons did with Notre Dame last year, you know, and he talked about this in one of the spaces. If you guys listen to those um, on um, on Twitter, he talked about how uh, it was difficult for him to to uh, come in that late and learn the offense. But, um, you know, he um, he obviously, you know, came in and, and learned it and, and was arguably one of FSU's best offensive linemen and played the majority of the, um, you know, of the of the season hurt. I mean, hats off to that guy. Hats off to to what he's doing with the um, Big Man Big Heart Foundation too. I mean, I watched um, that um, interview with um, Timothy on um, uh, College Game Day yesterday. I mean, like I said, I was I was kind of I kind of had a cough, and you know, I was like, man, you know, wasn't wasn't feeling the best, had a little fever, and um, I watching that man, I was like, hell, I I need to go ahead and record this podcast, and um, you know, that kind of just made you forget about everything that you feel was wrong in the world. But, um, you know, and a lot of people looking at, you know, FSU, um, you know, going back to a lack of production. And um, I don't, I don't know why people, I don't know why people are focusing on this. And I, and I wrote about it on the column that I mentioned um, for the, the transfer receivers, you know, Dylan Gibbons was a backup at Notre Dame and really didn't play that much. And he comes in and he, be, he becomes, one of FSU's best offensive linemen. Uh, Jermaine Johnson had like six and a half sacks in, in two or three years at Georgia. You know, I mean, like I said, he came in last year and, um, you know, a lot of people, you know, were saying, well, you know, he couldn't crack the, you know, the, the starter lineup at Georgia. So how good is he really? And, you know, uh, he only had X amount of sacks and, you know, such amount of games and, you know, and then, you know, Keir Thomas, you know, he missed the majority of the spring with injuries and had a history of injuries. And so you really didn't know what you were going to get with him and people were questioning him, you know, but, you, you know, and there's so many, so many different um, things you can look at. But, you know, you just don't know how things are going to shake out until, you know, guys actually get on the field. So people that are just questioning, um, well, you know, he only has five catches or, you know, he only did this or he only did that. You know, I mean, that's that's not that's not a, a good way to assess, um, you know, how productive somebody's going to be. You know, um, I went through and looked at some of the uh, receivers uh, from the past. And this is in the this is in the piece that I wrote, so you can go check it out. And so, Tamarian and Terry redshirted in 2017, so he went into the 2018 season with zero catches in college. Right, his first year playing, he had 35 receptions for 744 yards and eight touchdowns. Kelvin Benjamin redshirted in 2011. Had zero receptions coming into 2012. Finished that year, 30 receptions, 395 yards, four touchdowns. Kenny Shaw had three receptions for 36 yards as a freshman. Next year, Shaw had 34 receptions for 418 yards, four touchdowns. Jesus Bubba Wilson had three receptions for 23 yards as a freshman in 2013. Next year, Wilson had 42 receptions for 527 yards and four touchdowns in 2014. Kermit Whitfield 
had 11 receptions for 145 yards as a sophomore in 2014. The next year, Whitfield had 57 receptions for 798 yards and six touchdowns. Nikon Murray had six receptions for 65 yards as a freshman in 2015. The next year, he had 27 receptions for 441 yards and five touchdowns in 2016. DJ Matthews had six receptions for 72 yards and one touchdown in 2017 as a freshman. The next year, he had 42 receptions for 382 yards and one touchdown in 2018. So what does that tell you? Just because a player doesn't have a productive year in year one or year two does not mean they can't, you know, just break out and have an, uh, a productive year the next year. There's a lot of different reasons, you know, mainly it's college experience. And that's one of the benefits of, you know, these three receivers that FSU is bringing in, you know, they have college experience, you know, just the sheer, just the sheer fact that they've been in the games. I, I can't tell you. I, I remember playing college baseball and I remember my first few practices in college, and I was like, and I think I've said this before in this podcast, and like the the game was so different because I went to a I went to a small high school, and so you know it was kind of like you know a big fish small pound for me. But I mean, I knew I could play, but it was like you know whenever you whenever you get to the next level and you're like, oh, everybody can play here, you know, it took a it took a you know a little bit for me to adjust, you know. But once you finally figure out, oh yeah, I belong, and you know I'm, you know. I feel like I'm one of the better guys here and you gain, you gain that confidence and that really just changes everything. And so, you know, once that happened for me, it was, it was game on. And um, the fact that, you know, these guys already have this college experience coming in, I think that's going to, you know, like I said, along with the expectations that the coaching staff is going to place upon them, I think that's going to, that's going to make a world of difference compared to if they had some freshmen coming in and um, expecting them to be contributors um, right away. And um, I think the other thing that a lot of people are, are, are overlooking is, uh, and I wrote about this too. I listed all of the all of the freshman wide receivers that FSU has signed since 2017, and um, the majority the majority of these players are are, I mean, you're looking at the number eight wide receiver, number 52, number 28, number 64, number 70, number 191, number 32. Number 46, number 81, number 42, number 78, and then the final one is Destin Hill at number 19. Those are their rankings as wide receivers nationally. You look at Micah Pittman, he was number 15 as a wide receiver coming out of high school. Johnny Wilson was number 21 as a wide receiver coming out of high school. Deuce Spann was rated as a quarterback, so he, you know, he was a three-star. But if you had to rate him as a as a wide receiver based on his height, speed, and what he likely would have done, he's probably a top twenty-five wide receiver. So you, when you look at just a, a sheer talent infusion that the coaches are bringing in, you know that that should tell you, you know, everybody everybody loves to talk about stars. Well. They're, they're, they just brought in some really talented guys. You know, what, what is there to complain about? You know, let the guys come in, let the guys go through spring practice, let the coaches assess where they are, find out what they do best, you know, what their weaknesses are, stay away from that, play to the strengths, and let the chips fall where they may, just like they did with Jermaine Johnson last year, just like they did with Dylan Gibbons last year, just like they did with Keir Thomas uh, 
uh, Jamie Robinson. I mean, you know, the list goes on. Uh, Devontae Love Taylor, Fabian Lovett. I mean, they got a track record that, you know, they kind of know what they're doing. You know, <clears throat> the biggest difference between um, Norvell and and Fisher, other, other than Fisher having a head start, is Mike Norvell just had, you know, obviously you got COVID to deal with. So that, you know, that's the whole year that you kind of can't even really count. I mean, you count it, but you know what I'm saying? You you just, that, that year is unlike anything you got to deal with. But there's there's so many holes on the roster that he had to, that he had to fill that, you know, you just can't, you know, it's not like you can just, oh man, you know, if I fix this right here, then I'm good to go. You know, you, you got a quarterback situation, you got an offensive line situation, you got a lack of talent at you know, defensive end, you got lack of talent on a linebacker, you know, lack of talent at wide receiver, just so many holes. And it's like, you know, where, where do you even begin? And then you got a whole year where you have to evaluate guys and sign guys that you don't even meet, you can't even meet face to face. And then you got a whole recruiting cycle after that, that half of that recruiting cycle, you still can't meet people face to face. You know, they didn't, they weren't able to see guys until face to face until June of this past year, you know, um, and they got really creative and, um, you know, getting guys to campus for like the spring game and, and things like that, but they still couldn't talk to them. Um, you know, so it's, it's just a different ball game, but, but I, what I feel like is happening though is, you know, I feel like, you know, things are kind of slowly lining up for this coaching staff. Um, I, and like I said, I've said before, I do believe they got to make a change at wide receiver. Got to get a right. Uh, either they're going to move Yak to wide receiver and then hire a running backs coach. If they do that, they got to get a guy that that can recruit um, in that spot. You know, if they you know leave Yak at running backs and hire a wide receiver coach, then you know it's got to be a guy that can um, that can recruit. And that also can, um, you know, develop those guys. Now, Yak has, you know, he has experience in um, uh, coaching wide receivers and, um, you know, in, and has some decent production from those guys. So I, I wouldn't be quite mad at that. Um, so we'll see how that shakes out. But, you know, we'll, we'll see how, how that, that shakes out at, by the end of the month. I think that's when um, Dugan's contract expires. Um but other than that situation, you know, they've already kind of addressed more with, uh, you know, Randy Shannon. And, you know, I spoke on that a couple podcasts ago. And so we'll see how that goes. But, um, you know, and I wrote about it the other day, you know, FSU was really close to turning that corner, you know, this past year. Um, you know, I, I said it in the preseason. I liked the starters on offense and defense. The question was, you know, could they stay healthy, you know, I knew if if injuries came up, especially at, at quarterback, and we knew Travis, we knew Travis was injury prone. We knew if if that happened, you you hoped that Milton, you know, could come in and and, and be the guy. But then we had so many question marks about him too because you know he's you know, he's coming off a devastating injury, and um, you know, but whenever if if I, I believe that if if FSU could have stayed healthy uh, at quarterback. And on the offensive line, they probably win, you know, six, seven games, possibly eight games. You know, who knows? Um, you know, they lost the um, the NC State game when everybody had the flu. Um, but they had, you know, they were in that game um, without Jordan Travis. You know, the Louisville game, same deal. And, um, you know, so they were really close to 
to turning the corner this year. They just didn't have the depth that they needed to overcome all of the injuries that they sustained. So what you see them doing is building that depth. You know, a lot of people were talking about the um, the uh, the greedy Vance take, uh, the cornerback from Louisville. Um, well, you had so many injuries last year. You know, that was one of the bigger problems in the with the defense uh, early in the year last year. You had a lot of injuries, and so you had the guys. You had you know Jamie Robinson playing like three or four different positions, and it wasn't until they finally moved him to the safety spot and left him there that things kind of settled down and that defense began to you know take shape and 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 show improvement. You know, so you know. If a guy's not available, then he's not any help to you. So if you can bring in a guy that's capable, you know, like a greedy Vance that can play multiple positions, then you do it. And so that's what you see this coaching staff trying to do, build depth at every position. You know, offensive line, you got, you know, Bess Harris, they got Caden Lowes coming in. You got three transfers from uh, with the wide receivers. They'll probably add, um, you know, a couple of defensive ends, you know, probably add, you know, a linebacker or two. And so you see them, you see them adding talent, you see them adding depth, and that's what this program needs. And and so once you once you do that, and you can kind of win, like I said, those seven eight games, and you know you show that continued progression. That's when you're going to be able to say, oh, you know, start fighting for that elite talent. And of course, you know, the NIL is going to be real, real important with that. And, um, you know, I'm interested to see how FSU plans to handle that. Um, I know uh, Michael Alford was on one of the spaces the other day. And, um, I mean, you can tell you can tell something that he knows that they got to address. Um, and they're just waiting for um, the state of Florida to pass legislation so that um, things can change and the schools can be more um, proactive in that aspect. And so, you know, until that changes, they really, their you know, hands are kind of tied. Um, but, Having an athletic director that understands the importance of the NIL, I think is big. Um, having uh, an athletic director that understands that Mike Novell is going to need um, resources. And when I say resources, resources to be able to play big boy football, um, I think that's important. And so I think a lot of things are lining up for FSU to um, to kind of take that next step. And, you know, we'll see. We'll see how things shake out. But um, overall, I don't, um, you know, I don't feel like the staff is on life support, so you know, so to speak. Um, I feel like they're, you know, they're controlling what they can control, and that, really, that's all you can, you know, that's really all you can you can do at this point. You know, they can't control, you know, guys getting hurt and and what they inherited and and trying to fix all of the issues on the team. Um, you you, can, you just can't fix all of the issues in, in one year, and um, you know, so I feel like you you know they're doing the best that they can. And, um, but I, I don't feel like, I don't feel like, um, you know, they're, you know, they're inevitably, you know, you know, going to fail, you know, and, and I guess it depends on what you consider success. You know, if you're saying, Hey, I believe, you know, Mike Novell is going to take FSU to win a national championship. Well, in the national, national championships are, I mean, look, how many coaches have won national championships that are coaching right now? Very few. Um, could he do it? Possibly, you know, um, the odds are against it, but you know, um, who's to say Mark, Mike DeVille can't get FSU to a point to where, you know, they're, they're respectable again. And then, you know, kind of, kind of like Dabo did, you know, Dabo kind of slowly, slowly, you know, kind of crept up and eventually became a, a powerhouse there for, um, a, a, you know, a, what, six, seven year stretch. 
And, um, you know, one of the, one of the most important things that Dabo Sweeney did was, you know, he made sure that he didn't miss on quarterback. Right. I mean, he went from Todd Boyd to, um, Deshaun Watson to, you know, um, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, I mean, that, that is why they won so many games that they won, of course, along with Venables, but, um, and, and, and Jimbo Fisher not hitting on quarterbacks is one of the reasons why FSU is where it is right now. And you, and you kind of see how those things overlap. You saw the, the, the ascension of Clemson, you know, with the addition of those quarterbacks. And then you saw FSU kind of, you know, descend, so to speak, along with all the other issues that, you know, we've covered ad nauseum. So I won't really go into that anymore. But, you know, to, to answer the, the overall question, you know, I think, you know, I think FSU is fine um, as far as, you know, where they are right now and the potential to win enough games to continue that progression in, in 2022 um, so that Mike Novell is, you know, not so much on the hot seat. Now, you know, if they go into 2022 and, you know, they don't have uh, a, you know, a capable backup quarterback in the case that Jordan Travis gets hurt. You know, that's going to be Mike Neville's fault because I've been saying you got to have a, a quarterback from the transfer portal. You know, um, other than that, I, I feel like I feel like they're in good shape, you know, um, at other positions. Um, if, you know, they hit on, you know, defensive end and um, and linebacker, you know, those are the two uh, biggest things I think that they need right now. So we'll see. But um, again, um, I that's all I have for right now. I, I feel like my voice is probably about to go. So, um, again, wanted to um, thank you guys for supporting. I'm going to post this up here. Make sure you share it. Um, I, I saw that we we have gotten some more um, five-star reviews on um, Apple Podcasts, so appreciate those. Um, if you listen elsewhere, whether it's Google or Stitcher or wherever, make sure you, you rate uh, us five stars. If you feel like you, um, you know, have gotten some some information from this podcast, or you were entertained, and um, all of those are helpful to us. Um, and again, if you feel inclined to um, to to donate to the Built for Playmakers uh, Cash App, it's Built for Playmakers with a number four. And um, I look forward to um, talking to you guys in the next couple of days, and hopefully we'll have some um, some more good news from the transfer portal. Until then, go knows. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.